0: Let's pull out your message notes. I'm ready to dive into the message today. <clears throat> today is Palm Sunday. It is the beginning of Holy Week, uh, where we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Palm Sunday is a unique day because this is a day where Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey as a king. Uh, the crowd would joyfully receive him, and in fact, we call it Palm Sunday because they laid their cloaks. And palm branches on the road for him to ride into Jerusalem on, and I don't take for granted that uh, you know everybody in here knows what Palm Sunday is all about, or uh, you know even things in the Bible. We had over two thousand people just locally give their life to Jesus the last six years, and so we've got some that are mature Christian. You've been in your, you know church your whole life, and some it's like your third week in church, and so I want to just dive into the verses of Scripture that tell us about this encounter. And this event that took place in Matthew 21, verse 8. Uh, I just want to read it, pull out a few things, and then share what's on my heart. Something God's placed in my heart a couple of weeks ago. It says, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. So Jesus is on a donkey. He's riding into Jerusalem. It says, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. So you can imagine, they've laid down their cloaks. They've laid down these palm branches And they're shouting, they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So we see this day, they begin to celebrate Jesus. Now he's making this triumphal entry, but it's amazing because five days later, we call it Good Friday, but how many know nothing was good on that day for Jesus, except what it would bring when he died, which is salvation, but on Good Friday, Jesus would die the cruelest death, in fact, Isaiah says, that his visage would be marred more than that of anyone else. In other words, nobody's ever been beaten, nobody's ever been tortured, nobody's ever been disfigured as much as Jesus was on that good Friday. And it's amazing that the crowd would sing, you know, and, and worship and welcome the king, and yet five days later they would be the same crowd that would be stirred up to declare, crucify him crucify him, that would ultimately lead him to the cross where he would give his life willingly for us. And you think about this, you think, how could it be? How could a crowd be filled with people that love him one moment and hate him the next? And, and I would say it's like this, because that crowd was full of both fans and followers. Fans are fickle. Come on, somebody. A follower, they're, they're fully committed. Fans are people that are swayed by pressure. Followers, they're they're committed to principle. They're not going to be swayed by popular opinion or what other things. Fans, they like you one minute and can't stand you the next. Followers love you unconditionally. And so if I were to title the message, it would be Am I a fan or am I a follower? Because I think in church, we get confused. We say, Well, we're worshiping together. Well, that's true, we're singing songs together, we're, we're, we're rallied together, we're listening to the pastor even say amen and do the things that we, you know, we do as Christians, but the question is, what do you do when you don't agree? Wow, you got real quiet on me right there. What do you do when Jesus begins to speak to you about areas of your life? It's like, you could talk to me about this pastor, but don't talk about that. Like, you can say this, but don't meddle over here. Like, you just stay in your lane, Pastor. But the problem is, my lane is the full counsel of Scripture. And I'm on an assignment which is to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. I'm not in a popularity contest, not trying to be Mr. Popular. I'm gonna stand before God and He's gonna say, Did you do my assignment? And my wholehearted answer, from what I can see, is gonna be, God, I did it. The question is, what will our answer be individually and corporately? Did we do what God's called us to do? Were we a fan or are we followers? See, we have this mentality of followers, and this is where I'm concerned in the church. You know, social media has created this mentality, especially you got Instagram and you got Twitter and you got Facebook and all that. But like on Instagram, I can follow whoever I want. I become a follower. And when you follow someone, it's great, right? You get to see their life. You get to see their friends. You get to see their likes. You get to see their dislikes. And uh, I, I enjoy it, you know. It's the highlight reel. How many have ever looked at someone's highlight reel and you... You you know, it's great. I I don't like it too much because then I get envious. Anybody, you're like, man, they got an amazing marriage, you know, or they got an amazing family. Wow, look at it. And it's like, man, just chill out. That's their highlight reel. Ain't nobody post your bad hair day. Ain't nobody post the moment your kids start disobeying or, or, no, no, we all post highlight reels and it's cool because I get to see it. But here's what ultimately is the truth is that I get to choose. I have the power as to whether or not I'm going to follow you. And if I get tired of you, you know, at the end of the day, how I mean, no, I don't have to follow you. I could just unfollow you. You know, you keep posting about your dog for about the 89th time and how awesome it is. And you post about your ugly baby for the 95th time. I'm like, your baby's ugly, just like all the other ugly babies. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Can I just be real? You know, it ain't a... There's like one in a million baby that is actually cute. Now yours is very cute back there. I'm just telling you. It's everybody else's. That's right. You know what I mean? It's like, good Lord, again, like you posted another Instagram picture. You're in Hawaii one day. You're in Belize the next day. You know, I'm in the burg. What's up? You know, I don't, to, I don't want to see your escapades around the world. I'm tired of you. I'm going to stop following you. Like, like I'm just sick of you. Here's the challenge. A lot of times we'll take that perspective and it bleeds over into the church. And so when we think of follower, it's like, oh, I'm an Instagram follower. No, no, Jesus didn't call Instagram followers. He calls fully committed people that will follow him whether it's convenient or not. People that will follow him whether you agree in the moment or not. How many know there are moments where you read the Bible you're like, I don't know about that. I mean, am I the only one where you're like, oh, that's a hard teaching. You know, I mean, there's tons of them. And, and, and so even as a pastor, it's like I don't get to pick and choose. i got to say, God, this is your word. I may not like it, I, but, but God help me to embrace this moment so that I can receive what it is that you're trying to teach me. Christianity is not a fad and it's not a trend. And if we're not careful, we will make it a trend like it was good for my life in that season. Hold on, in that season, I was dying and going to hell my whole life. So thank God I am saved. It ain't a season. It's a lifetime of being a follower of Jesus. Can I get an amen? So we got to be careful because what we'll end up doing is we'll create cultural Christians. These are Christians that are Christian by name only. It's an association like, hey, what religion are you? I'm a Christian. Okay, well, when's the last time you've been to church? Well, Easter. It's coming up, I got it you know it's it's christmas it's this it's this mentality of Christianity that makes it all about us because that's what social media and consumerism makes it it's it's all about us. what can I get? how can I benefit what's in it for me and being a follower of Christ is so much more than that I'm reminded of a story that inspired the hymn I have decided uh, you know the hymn I have decided to follow Jesus an old hymn and such a great hymn, but in the late 1800s in India, there was a Welsh missionary that went to a very brutal village, and was preaching the gospel, and then uh, had a real tough time, but all of a sudden, a husband and wife and children became followers of Jesus, and he was excited, it was amazing, so he takes them down to the river, and he baptizes the whole family, and The village leaders, they heard about this, and so they began to put pressure on the husband. In fact, they arrested him and arrested the whole family. And they said, we don't like this. We want you to renounce your faith in Jesus. And uh, the man said, no, I can't renounce He said, if you don't renounce your faith, we're going to kill your wife and your children. And then what they heard in that moment was the man began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back, no turning back. And so the leaders of the village got arrows and bows and began to shoot them into the sons, into their hearts and murdered the sons in front of the father and said, recant your faith, renounce this Jesus. Watching his kids die, he begins to sing, the world behind me, the cross before me. They said, you, you have to renounce or we're going to kill your wife. He began to sing these words, though none go with me, still I will follow. They murdered his wife. They said, you've lost everything. Renounce Jesus now and you'll save your life. He didn't renounce Jesus and they murdered him as well. Follower of Jesus. And here's the miracle of it. Because of his sacrifice and his family's sacrifice, The entire village and all of the leaders spontaneously professed faith in Jesus and were baptized and saved because of his faith and demonstration of what it means to be a follower of Christ. So you contrast that, you know, and and you go back, and I love to read stories of how our faith was established not only in the Bible through the disciples. But just Fox's Book of Martyrs. I mean, there's just so much of a legacy and a heritage that we have as Christians of men and women that follow Jesus. They understood what it meant. I have a hard time praying for 15 minutes. Well, I got quiet. Come on, somebody. I have a, I have a hard time Fasting. I have a hard time reading my Bible. I, I have a hard time saying no to some of the things that I like. You know, I, I have a hard time with the things in my life that God's asked me to give up. Or, and, and here we are. we got people that are giving up their life. And so I have to go back. And really, I don't even know if this message is for you as much for me. Am I a fan or am I a follower? Because he's raising up a church of followers that will do what he's asking them to do and live the life he's called them to. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Now, I know many people here, you're like, Pastor, I'm in church. I pray, and, you know, occasionally, I read my Bible every once in a while, and I I sing the songs of worship, I get it, but is that what it means to follow Jesus? What what does it mean to follow Jesus? Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 31. I want to spend a few minutes in this verse. This is the whole crux of the message. This is where Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And he is going to tell them that he's about to suffer and die. So it's the first time that they've heard this. You can imagine they've seen Jesus perform miracles. They've seen him heal the blind eyes, raise the dead. He's cast out demons. He's got, he's got authority. He's got power. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm following a rabbi who is amazingly equipped like that, through seeing signs and wonders, how many think, man, my, my future is pretty secure. Like, it's going to be good, baby. We got in at the right time. Come on, we're the inner, we're the inner group, right? We're the 12. Can you imagine? We get to be with the man, So your mentality is he's coming to overthrow the Romans. He's coming to establish God's kingdom, not in the spirit realm, but he's going to establish it in the natural. Now Jesus takes them to Caesarea Philippi, the most wicked city in all the region, and it wasn't even just on the way. He actually took them on a trek around to the darkest place, and he's about to tell them, look, in the middle of all of this, I need you to know what it means to be a follower because I'm not always going to be here, and I'm not asking you to stay safe and comfortable. I want you to go where there is no light, where there is no witness, I want you to go into all of the world, and this is what I'm asking you to do. So look at it. He says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Now that's the beauty of Easter, right? Jesus didn't stay dead. He's not buried in a tomb. You go look all you want, but he's not there. He's, ri- he's uh, risen from the dead. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So can you imagine? Like, no, 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 Jesus, I thought you were going to overthrow the Romans. Come on, Jesus, I thought we were going to have some thrones, like here in the natural. Like, like no, not you, not you. You're not going to die. Have you ever had your flesh be in conflict with God's will? Come on, somebody. say, like, oh, no, 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 God, I don't think, are you sure you want me to serve that boss? That boss is really, really mean to me, and they're really disrespectful. They don't know. What you have placed inside of all this goodness. Right? Now, God, that's not your will. You want me to go bounce. You want me to go find somebody that will value this. And God's like, I value this, and I want your butt to stay right where you're at. Come on, somebody. Why would he do that? Because he's got a will, and his will is different than yours. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. So look, he rebukes Peter. He's like, get behind me, Satan. Calls him Satan. Isn't that crazy? You follow her one moment and then led by Satan in the next, act like a devil? Come on. No, Nobody in here, surely. I, I heard a husband say, That's you, baby. No, just, <laughs> maybe it was in my mind. I don't know. It says, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So there's God's concerns and then there's man's concerns. And we like it comfortable. Uh, We don't like to be uncomfortable. And then look what he says in verse 34. He says he called the crowd. So he was talking to his 12, his disciples. And then he calls the crowd. So now he calls the masses and he brings them to him along with his disciples. And then he's speaking in general terms to everyone. He says, look, if anyone wants to come after me, so in other words, if you want to stop being a fan, if you want to stop being on the outside and just it all being about you, this is what you got to do if you want to be a follower. You must deny. Everybody say that word, deny. deny. Man, that is not a nice word. Come on, somebody. That's four letters that are painful. Deny. Any? Deny. Credit card. Denied. Come on, somebody. Right? Yeah. Any, anybody get denied on anything? You like, you, you're looking for a promotion. Denied someone else got promoted, you know, it's denied, so you got to deny himself, and and it's very interesting there, he says he must, what's that mean? That means I must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, so I got to let go of my desires, my wants, my wishes, the things that make me feel good, and I got to take up the cross and follow me. Now, it's interesting here that Jesus would make an invitation like this. Can you imagine that, that even in church, I think sometimes we get it wrong. It's like, man, Jesus loves you and, and, and it's all hope and, and peace and love and all those things. That's great. But the truth is, look at what Jesus's invitation wasn't about the benefits. It was about the cost. Now, can you imagine, hey, so, and I don't know if you know back in the Bible times, like we wear crosses, and it's pretty cool because it represents Jesus dying on a cross. But back then, if you saw a cross, fear and terror would have gripped your heart because you would have seen many people crucified on that cross. People that were shamed, stripped naked. It's one of the worst and most brutal ways that you could die. The Romans had perfected the art of killing people. And so when he says imagine like hey if you want to follow me that's kind of like a reverse invitation. If I want to follow you I mean, you mean I got to hang up on that thing that people are die, are dying on and you're just like yep that's it. The same willingness to give it all up the the the, the torture. How I many you know sometimes it is painful to follow God? I don't know about you. Have you ever wanted to do something and the Holy Spirit says don't do it and you're like but God they're doing it. And God's like I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Come on, I mean, because someone will tell me they say, "Well, Pastor, can we drink? Pastor, can we go watch R-rated movies? Pastor, can we do this?" And the, you know what? I always tell them, "I don't know. You got to ask God." Why? Because I'm not your Holy Spirit. I don't know where you're at because what we do understand is God is gracious enough to give us steps to purity and holiness and sanctification. Like when you are saved, you're saved in that moment. But how many know my mind has to be renewed? i got to get my thoughts right. i got to get my will right. And just because in this moment God's not speaking to you about smoking, how many know he may be talking to someone else? Don't judge others. I used to smoke when I was chasing after God. I used to have a cigarette puffing and praying, and God's like, praise God, he's praying. Thank God. Don't like the cigarette, but at least he's praying. Come on, somebody. I mean, that was way back when, but I'm just telling you, we don't have the right to tell you what you need to be denied. That's where God speaks to you. And then what's interesting is you can look good to everybody else, but God's been telling you about your secret sin for so long. Oh, everybody thinks you're holy, but God's like, you ain't nowhere where you're supposed to be. And this person is smoking, and God's like, that's right where I want them. That's why we got to be careful. We can't be judging everybody else. It's what has God asked you to do. But it's interesting. He says, you must deny yourself. i got to deny myself. i got to take up my cross, this, this instrument of execution. And I've got to be willing to carry it. And one translation actually says daily, 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 daily. That means every day, God, the things that I want to do, I don't do. But it's permissible. It doesn't matter if it's permissible. Look, pot's legal. Don't mean you need to go smoke it. Come on, somebody. Not, it's not in Texas. Somebody's like, it's in Texas? What? Pop, pop, give, baby. Like, we go to Colorado. No. Like, like, at the end of the day, it's permissible, but doesn't mean it's beneficial. Like, we just, we got, we got to say the standard of the world is not my standard. I've got to live by different means. Why? Because I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. And we have to choose to follow Jesus. And I just want to give you a couple of decisions that you have to make. The first one is you've got to be a follower of Jesus, not a follower of culture. Culture changes. Culture shifts. You know, you think of what's hot and what's not. I mean, you go back to late night hosts. You had Jay Leno, David Letterman, Johnny Carson. I mean, those, they're, they're all old now. Now who you got? you got? You got Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon. What's the point? People change all the time. Fads change all the time. Think about clothing. All my old people, you remember the Z Cavaricis? What you had your little flaps and the little thing down, you was like Z cap and you tight rolled. Do you guys remember the tight roll? You didn't have skinny jeans, you just tight rolled it. it. was like it's like man just pfft. yeah yeah MC hammer pants. Come on, just blooming out. Yeah, yeah. See, and and then you had bell bottoms back then. It's funny we should have just kept them because they're all coming back, you know? Isn't that funny? And then now you got skinny jeans and joggers and What's his Dad shoes? Come on, somebody like Dad shoes. Have y'all seen it? Right, Camden. We got all these Dad shoes. And what about hair? Hair house trends. Anybody remember the mullet? Yeah. You know, some of you rocked the mullet when you had hair. Yeah, you oh now. You ain't got no hair now. You like mullet? I flip it up. I flip it up. I tr- I do the side. I do the side comb. I got. Hey, I feel your pain, baby. I feel it. I feel it. You know, you had the bowl cut. You literally put a bowl on just. Cut it around. Now, now you got the man bun. What's this man bun? We're gonna man bun our hair together. And you got the beard game, come on. You know, so somebody may be rocking the beard game, beard on fleek, you know what I mean? Just kind of like it's all greased up and oiled. I, I'm like, I'm like, hey bro, there's some like oil in there. He's like, yeah, baby, we getting this beard game. Yeah. Come on, man. I don't know. I'm not sure. Why 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 is that? Because it's a fad, it's a trend, but how I many fads and trends come go and come. But Jesus remains the same. He never changes. Look at Hebrews 13.8. He said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. The Word of God is unchanging. And we've got to learn to build our lives upon the Word of God. We've got to choose to follow Jesus, not culture. And we got to choose to follow the Word of God even when it's not popular. And, and that's a challenge because society is always in conflict with the Word of God. The society we live in says, if it feels good, do it. Right? Listen to what you want to listen to. Watch what you want to watch. Hey, if you want to shack up with someone, shack up with someone. You need to test drive the relationship. And, you know, you just got to, and and there's these lies that are perpetuated. The challenge then is that the church begins to look just like the world. We watch what we want to watch. You listen to what you want to listen to. You shack up with who you, but you go to church. You're like, but God, we're in church. And here's the challenge. Listen. And I'm all about people starting in and feeling comfortable, but 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 the challenge is you'll hear a message about marriage, and you're like God, I want you to bless this relationship, but God doesn't just bless relationships. God blesses covenant. And so though you can start that way, and let me tell you, man, our church we've done marriage uh, series and relationship. It's been amazing. You see people that didn't know any better because they're coming fresh out of the world, and then they say, Hey, will you marry me? And their life begins to change. Their children change. Their relationships change because they heard the word of God and they didn't stay a fan, they became a follower. That's about a halfway clap. So (laughs) I'm going to preach like that. You know, even with drinking, look, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of alcohol. Or I'm not for or against it. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, no, we shouldn't look like the world. Like at the end of the day, my question is, why are you drinking? Why do you have to have that beer? Why do you have to have it? Then it's all great. But at the end of the day, there ought to be some separation from us in the world. And, and we become so tolerant of sin. We call it gray. We're like, well, that's great. you got to know the Bible has right and wrong, and there are very few shades of gray. And where there is gray, the Holy Spirit just has to lead you by your personal conviction. But the truth is we cannot allow ourselves to get swayed by society. Because I think, let me tell you, I don't think the world hates Christianity. I think the world hates false Christians. So, I, you know, the pseudo-Christian one says, I, live, I love God, I'm a Christian, but you look just like them. I think what the world is desperate for is a man or a woman or a teenager or a senior citizen, someone that says, look, I'm not going to compromise, I'm not going to bow to peer pressure, but I need to see someone that actually lives what they say they believe, that God's power is in their life because there's not compromise to just be a fan, but they really become a follower. That's what society is desperate for. can be swayed by popular opinion but the word of god luke 21:33 says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away fads go come trends go they come it doesn't matter you can't allow that to be what you build your life on it's got to be the word of god the second thing is this i will live by conviction not personal convenience conviction that's what a follower does they don't live by convenience Look, as a, as, as a person in the American culture, we love convenience. We love uh, to be pampered. We have been brought up in a consumer society which says it's all about you. In fact, we're marketed things. And the whole purpose of that is to make our life easier, convenient. Look, i got an iWatch. i got an iPhone. You know, i got iPods, uh, you know, AirPods. i got the, all the different things that we have, and it's great, and it's amazing. But you've got to remember, Christianity is not about you. You're not at the center of this world that God has. Guess who's at the center? Jesus. Jesus is in the center of the world and of our lives. And someone said... So, we got to be careful because we'll bring this whole thing. Well, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to help me? And if you're not helping me, then I'll go somewhere else. And, and the reality is this it's not about you. It's never been about you. It will never be about you. It's about Jesus getting for himself the reward of his sacrifice, which is the loss, but you're not the focus, you're just a piece. And we have to make sure, I mean, and I live in a day, look, I, I, I love convenient things, and my God, we get groceries delivered to our house, come on, I ain't even got to go into the grocery store for a couple of dollars more, they bring it over, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I, I don't even go to Redbox anymore, right, I just instant download, pay a couple of dollars extra, get it right to my computer, it's amazing, but, but. Christianity is anything but convenient and easy and accessible to just the common. Look, it takes work. It takes grit. It takes a tenacity. Like I'm a follower, which means I'm going to daily choose to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. It's not just something that's going to arbitrarily happen. It's not done by osmosis. I don't come to church and I'll, whoa, I'm a Christian. Why? Because I attended a service. Woo! Go sit in a garage. That doesn't make you a car. we got to be real careful. Got to be careful because then we have churches full of fans, not followers, and they've been deceived, which is why someone said, Pastor, why are you talking about that? Because we've got to teach on the fact that followers are disciples that choose to say no to the things we want for who we want even more, Jesus. That's a good place to crap right there. And... And I want you to know, you know, if your Christian faith has been hard, if it's hard to get up and pray, if it's hard to read your Bible, if it's hard to say no to the things and, and you keep wrestling, I want you to know you're in the right place. I don't know that it ever gets easy. Look, I've passed tests That I don't have to pass anymore. So I've developed discipline. I do things. But I want you to know it doesn't stop. You say, well, pastor, you're a pastor. I am a pastor. And guess what? I have to pick up my cross just like you have to pick up your cross. And we both have to do it daily. I may be in a different place. You're in a different place. But together we have to say, look, I am today where I was not yesterday. But I will not be here tomorrow. I'm going to grow. And I'm going to grow. And I'm going to grow. And that's where we cannot allow ourselves to get lulled to sleep. It's like, well, I'm doing good, yet. Yeah, but I wonder if the crowd on that day was lulled to sleep as fans. Are we fans or are we followers, denying ourselves? I want to take this on a progression. I was thinking about, you know, for me, I, I really believe we're all on a spiritual journey, and so here's a practical place for us to see where we're at in the journey You know, the goal is for us to identify, where am I at in this discipleship process? Uh, I got this chart from Pastor Rick Warren, and I thought it was brilliant, because you're somewhere on these points that I'm going to share, five places where we're at in our following and discipleship journey. And then what you do is you identify, where am I? And then you just consciously say, I'm going to take the next Step. I, I love it. That's Christianity. See, God didn't call me to go from A to Z. God called me to go from A to B to C to D. Look, you're seeing if I know my alphabet. Yeah, I know what you're seeing. So, And it's this journey of progression that today I'm different than where I was yesterday. And I just keep moving forward. So, so identifying where am I in my following of Jesus. The first one is the crowd. That's the first, the crowd. Their, their whole response is come and see." So Jesus, when he appeals to the crowd, when he even appeals to the disciples, his whole mentality was come and see. And as a church, that's what we're all about. We're all about creating experiences. Uh, That's why everything is excellent. We have the lights, the sound. We have, you know, all the things, the environments. People say, well, you even change the signs in the parking lot that say teacher of the month. We change it all. Why? Because when you drive up, I want you to feel like, wow, this place is excellent. Because excellence then creates comfort. Someone invited you here. Someone leveraged their life to get someone here that didn't know Jesus. And so it's this whole mentality of come and see. I try to put humor in my message. We have coffee out there. We have great children's environments. I mean, we really try to think of everything so that when people come to experience this, their guard is down and then they're ready to receive from God. That's a come and see place in your life. That's the first level. Second one is the congregation. Now, the congregation is come and join. So the first one may attend once, twice a year, you know, every two or three months. The come and join is, hey, I like this. Uh, I, I really I, I want to come and be a part of it, and so they start to come regularly. Like, hey, this is my church. I want to be a part of what's happening here. And and I want to pause to give an invitation. If that's you, maybe you're out there kicking the tire. You've come once or twice, or maybe a couple of months. You're trying to decide. I want to invite you uh, to feel free to keep coming back. You know, hopefully you've enjoyed the messages, you've enjoyed all the experience. You're just kicking the tires, but eventually I want you to come and join. If this is the place God's called you. Like I'm committing to bring in my family here and to be in a part of what God is doing. It's a place where you feel welcomed and you begin to join what God's doing in the local church. You with me? The third point is the committed. So we now begin to be committed in the process. So I came and I saw, uh, you know, it's, it was great. Now I've joined and now I, I'm really committed to grow. Like it's not good enough just to show up on a Sunday. I want to go through all the process. We always say just run the play. Join a small group, go to Next Steps, start serving on a team. So now, listen, you just begin to go to a small group. You want to be a better husband. You want to be a better father. So you go to a men's small group. You go to a young adult small group, which we have great young adult small groups, or youth, or marriage, or family, or whatever it is. You're saying, I really want to grow. You begin to read your Bible, not every other day, but every day. You begin to worship God. You begin to pray. You're going to 21 days of prayer. You're really saying, look, I want to grow, and I want to mature And who God has me to be so that I can be who he's called me to be. And this is a committed part in your life. You're saying, man, I want to grow. But then we progress to the next step. And this is the core. And it's like, I, I don't want to just receive anymore. I want to give back. So I've been getting, and I'm getting full, and listen, there are some of you that came from a church you need to receive. Maybe you were hurt, uh, you're coming out of a tough situation. I want you to know that's great. Just let God fill you up. But there's going to come a point in your life where you become a dam or a reservoir. So you either have allowed God's goodness, His His grace, the things, and you dam it up, and you don't give any out. But but there, there's, the breakthrough happens where God, you're filling me up, filling me up. Now I got to go give it to someone else. So you've gone through next steps. You start serving on a team. You're part of the setup, tear down, maybe production, you're back there running Pro Presenter, or you're doing the coffee, or the children's environment, or the parking outside, you're just like, man, God, you have filled me up, I have got to pour this into other people, and this is where church really becomes fun. Why? Because you're now an owner. Have you ever been in a place and you didn't have a stake in it? It's like, well, whatever. But then you go somewhere and you, you kind of own it. Like you, You're like, man, this is mine. This is, I get to be a part of it. And so it's no longer people giving to me, but now we get to give to others. And what we do here is we have a philosophy where you worship one and you serve one. You can't even serve both services. Why? Because we want you filled up so you can give out. And so that's what this is all about. It's this whole I'm committed, I'm part of this, this core, and, I, man, I'm just going to serve. I'm going to give out what God has given to me. And then the last part, here's the last part where you'll find yourself, is that now you're commissioned. And this is where it's come and die. And this is really the point where all of us need to be in our lives. Like, like it's great to come and serve, but how many know if it stops and starts on a Sunday, we have failed? let me say it again if it starts and stops on a sunday we have it's got to go monday tuesday wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that every single day, what are you doing? You're out there loving people. You're serving people. At my job, I'm witnessing to my coworkers, to the boss. Maybe you are the boss. You're witnessing to the the employees that you have. At your home, you're not just talking about Jesus. You're being the priest of your home. You're praying with your kids. You're loving on your kids. You don't just live in your neighborhood, you're reaching your neighborhood. You don't just go to Kroger's. You're out there trying to pray for people and invite them to the place where. God has touched you, to your church, your, you begin to be the catalyst of change outside of these four walls. And that's what we're called to do. Come on. It's not just about building what's happening in here. It's about taking the message and saying, God, I'm going to take it outside of these four walls. You have saved me. You have changed me. And so I've got no other choice but to declare the goodness of who you are to others and the world and people who are dying and going to hell. And I think, you know, that's what I love about Easter, because really, even next week is the greatest time to invite someone to church. You know, because I have people tell me, Pastor, you know, I just don't know how to lead someone to the Lord. Well, listen, the Leadership Academy, we teach that. It's you know, we love to help you and develop that. But but I also have to tell you, in America, it's very interesting trends. There was a day when people by the masses got saved through crusades. But that day is come and gone. That's not the masses of how people get saved in America. It has shifted. In fact, the studies show that, that over 80% of the people that come to faith in Christ now do so in the context of a Sunday morning worship experience. Well, what does that mean? That means churches become relevant. And people are inviting friends. And though you may not know how to articulate it, how many know I know how to invite I know how to get you to the right place. I I know how to tether. And that's what it's all about, even Easter. Easter's not about boosting our attendance. Easter is about tethering people to the place that changed your life. Why? Because if I get saved and I go out and I don't have a tribe or a family, the devil's going to have a field day with me you got to have a tribe. you got to live life with people. And so this is that come and die. And then what we do is we have a church full of people that have come and died. And we're inviting people and loving people. And it's not just a Sunday morning, but it's an everyday. And then our community is impacted because we have a church, not full of fans, but a church full of followers. So this morning we find ourselves somewhere in the journey. I know they're going to put it up, but just just look and identify it. The crowd, come and see. The congregation, I'm going to come and join. It's the committed, come and grow. The core, come and serve. The commission, come and die. So I wonder. Identify where you're at and just say, God, I'm going to take. I don't have to get to the end. I just need to be better tomorrow than where I was today. God, and, and, and this is what I think we need to do too. And even as I was preparing for the message, we have to repent for allowing ourselves to become complacent, to be lulled asleep. you know, allow ourselves to follow culture, not Christ. Allowing ourselves to live by convenience, not conviction. Allowing ourselves to be swayed by what feels good and what what seems good to me and not allowing God to really speak truth or others to speak truth in our life. And as I was even preparing, you know, I was just praying to God. I was like, God, I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. See, I I think the challenge is we come to church on Sunday and we say, crown him king, hallelujah, Jesus. But then on Friday, we crucify him with the way we live our life. See, I think it's easy for us to judge, right? We say, well, I would never do that. I would have never been swayed by that. I would have never been a part of it. Why? Because I would have known better. But yet sometimes the devil has deceived us in our lives. Why? Because it's easier to judge others than to judge myself. But here's the power is the Holy Spirit is here. And that's where he works in our heart. It's the the Holy Spirit that begins to convict us. See, And that's what I love. Even last week, the Holy Spirit convicted me of something. And I thought, wow, I'll tell you what it is. In fact, I was going to tell you earlier, but it wasn't the right moment. You know, in October, do you guys remember where uh, Benny Perez came and began to pray? We saw miracles. Anybody remember that? We saw miracles and signs and wonders. And I was praying last week. And I'm just going to be very open and vulnerable and transparent. I was praying, I was like, God, I want to see just miracles. I want to I see things happen. Like, is there anything in me, I've been preparing, like, God, I don't want to be a fan. I, I mean, I've given too much to blow this thing off. Like, like, I've given my life, like, this, I'm all in. So, God, if there's an area in me that I've said or done, and, and the Holy Spirit brought back to my mind, and he said, listen, you said something and unintentionally cursed what I was doing. And I don't think he was like, but he said this, you said... We're not a revival center, we're a church. Do you guys remember me saying that? Remember that? I felt like the Holy Spirit said, listen, I know your intention was not to say. We're My intention in saying that was we're not going to see fruits and nuts and get all weird. And come on, somebody. Anybody ever seen revival? And it's like, whoa, whoa, that ain't revival. They're barking. Like, come on. So I'm like, barking? Good Lord. Where it's like, but I felt like the Holy And I'm just going to be very transparent. Can I just be real transparent? I repent for that. I told God, I said, I'll get up and I'll say, listen, we are a revival center where the Holy Spirit moves, where God's power is demonstrated, where the dead come to life, miracles, signs and wonders. And I told God, I said, I, I'm going to repent of that. Why? Because, you know, how you, I many you know? have you ever cursed what God is trying to bless? How many have ever said that? You said, you, you're trying to pray for your husband on the, the, you just turn your head and you begin to curse him with the words you say. Like, God, I want you to bless him, and then you just vomit over here. So we got to be careful. Proverbs 18 says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so what's my point, Pastor? Why would you say that? Just because it's the Holy Spirit. Nobody had to tell me that. I just said, God, I repent. We are a revival center. Your presence flows. You can do what you want. This is your church. It's all about you. God, whatever you want to do in a church, you do it in this church. And you have to release that in your life. You have to say, okay, God, convict me. Have I said something? Have I done something? See, what I'm convinced of, we're chasing where God is at, and God never left. We left him. It's like, we're chasing, God, I think you're over there. I'm going to go to that church. I'm going to go to that thing. And the truth is, God's right where you're at. The problem is, you didn't do the last thing he said, so you've quenched his spirit. And it don't matter where you go, to this church, to that church, to this place, you're not going to hear him or feel him because it's about you, not that church. And I wonder this morning, I just sense the power of God. Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts. Illuminate our lives. God, is there anything that we have done to say or do that would offend you? Or maybe we've spoken some things that shouldn't have been spoken and didn't mean it or well intended. But God, I'm asking you to reveal yourself to us. Show yourself to us that it is your anointing that destroys the yoke. Not humor, not good points and reasoning, but your anointing. And God, I feel your anointing in this place.